All right, welcome back to Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. Brian here. I got Alex with me, episode 48. Alex, getting right into it. Who do we have with the jersey number 48 that is obscure or the best? Which one you got? I'm going to give some uh, fullback some love, man. We're going to go with the Moose, Daryl Johnson. The Moose, all right, all right. And then you got his counterpart, Stephen Davis, mm-hmm. his arch rival. WFT Nemesis, and then so you got a couple other ones. We got a uh, Kung Fu Panda, baseball player, also known as Pablo Sandoval, and then the 2009 Male Athlete of the Year, Jimmy Johnson, the better of the two Jimmy Johnsons, clearly because he uh, Male Athlete of the Year. Um, so that yeah, so those are the ones we got for 48. And before we get into everything, let's quickly talk about the college football playoff. Alex, with uh, the current seating uh, of having one Alabama, two Michigan, three Georgia, Cincinnati. What do you think about the playoff seating and, you know, did they get the teams right? So I think overall, I think they did get the seating right. Um, I can't pit, I couldn't put anyone else in it just because teams have been losing, um, especially Oklahoma, Oki State, losing, choking right big at the end. Um, I couldn't put Notre Dame in. Obviously, what's Notre Dame going through? And then, obviously, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, so I can't put Notre Dame over Cincinnati. That just doesn't make any sense. So I think they got all four of them right. The question I got is about the seeding. Like, you know, Alabama being number one, Michigan destroyed a ranked opponent. I mean, destroyed them. They were number two. You would think their record, they would jump up to number one. But, obviously, Alabama uh, biased, so they jumped them up to number one. Um, and we all know why. It's, they don't want Alabama and Georgia to play each other in the semifinals. They want them to match up in, in the national championship, so they don't want to repeat until then. So um, I think the season was a little weird, but I think overall they got all four right. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the first year where it was pretty obvious who the top four should be. Like the only one lost team close to them was Notre Dame, and like you said, Cincinnati beat them. Everything else is a two- and three-loss team. So, you know, yeah, they got it right. Um, I, you know, I just don't think they can ever get to play a format, right. Which is the part that's kind of unfortunate. And I don't think no matter what they do, uh, you know, expanding teams, I don't know if expanding teams are going to help, uh, me personally, I kind of wish they would expand the teams and each conference champion is locked into, you know, the top six, you have your firepower conferences. And then one is like, uh, a, a bid from a non-power conference. And like, you have your six, like, I think to me, that'd probably be a little more interesting, but as a whole, yeah, it's it's I don't know. They got to do something though. But all right, let's get into um, recap, Alex. So we got a uh, week thirteen just wrapped up. Um, first game is a Thursday game. Dallas twenty-seven, New Orleans seventeen. The Cowboys now have uh, a pretty comfortable lead inside um, their own division on the NFC East. So they have a two-game lead over Washington currently. Um, the Saints are still in the fight for the seventh seed, but let's be honest, they're they're done. Quinn stepped in for McCarthy, uh, coached Cowboys to win over a Saints team who had Taysom Hill starting for them, and it was his first start of the year. He ran for 100 yards, but hurt his finger in the first half. Stayed in, ended up throwing four interceptions. Alex, we keep talking about Elliott. You know, a- as a Cowboys fan, and as and me as a fantasy football fan, let me know your thoughts on this, but why won't 
they give Elliott a week or two off? Is it really a Jerry Jones thing? Like, what's the reason? And does that mean that do you think that he won't get any weeks off as long as there's meaningful games? Like they won't ever let him heal be hundred percent. So I have three things probably just based off that one. The question is what type of injury is it? Is it an injury where he can't hurt him worse? And so he can kind of play through it. It's maybe an injury pain threshold thing. So I could see them pushing him on that end. Um, I think the other part is I've been hearing that, Zeke himself has been fighting uh, with Jerry Jones to play. He he went – I think he's kind of went to Jerry himself and said, Jerry, you know, I'm playing. And Jerry, he loves his Warriors. He will listen to those guys. They want to play, and there's a way for them to play. Jerry has no problem doing that for the guy, even though I think it might be in the best interest. Uh, and then third, as a Cowboy fan, Zeke might be our fourth best offensive lineman. He probably, even as a bad knee, he's probably one of the best run, blocking running backs in football. And you've already had a year last year where your quarterback got murdered and went out for the year, and you have his running thing, even when Roma was there, quarterbacks getting murked. Um, that's lasting a year. You having a blocking running back, and that's really why he, he's getting more, still getting as much time as he is over Paula. Paula's not the blocking back that Zeke is. So I think those are kind of the reasons they kind of, pushing him i think they're kind of also thinking maybe here in the next couple of weeks if they somehow some way win their division they could maybe um rest them down the end near the end of the you know because in the next three weeks they're going to either win their division or lose it so they'll know much more in the next three weeks maybe they might be able to rest them near the end of the year but i don't think i don't think they're gonna bench him i think they'll probably just kind of reduce his his workload I mean, with how many – we have so many top running backs injured. Like, I, this is me as a non-Cowboys fan. Tell me – you can – let me know if you disagree or agree, Alex. I think it's a huge mismanagement of what they're doing, especially when you talk about how good your offensive coordinator is. You're telling me that your offensive coordinator can't find a different scheme to get the ball out of Dak's hands quicker. You can't, you know, quick screen Tony Pollard. You have three great wide receivers. Um, I mean, I get Zeke, Zeke is a great uh, – pass blocker I, i've seen that he's great but when he cannot run the ball like he looks like he is hurting when he runs the ball um I, I just i guess i don't get it because when you have the two game lead already um i don't know why you would chance hurting yourself more when you should be able to win without him for a week or, or even two like i out, do you agree or disagree because I, I get you're saying what the cowboys are doing but what do you think they should do I don't know how bad his knee is. I personally don't. I think personally they should. How bad he's running? You see how bad he's running. I think personally they probably because they uh, they have a third running back. I can't remember off the top of my head because I think they just signed him for the Philadelphia Eagles earlier this year as a special team back. I would have been been splitting the the carries between other backs or even have signed another uh, veteran back to come in and help out. Um, I would have done that weeks ago. I think that, you know, I understand. I, I hate to sound this way, but sometimes I've kind of found this from front offices. When a guy get paid and he has that guaranteed money, they kind of like like to use the guy like he's like a, a he's like a, a, a beat down car and use him because he's got his money or whatever. But I, I mean, I think it's not smart. I mean, you you want you want Zeke to last the rest of his contract. 
and back to what you're saying, like you're not you're not helping him out. I I know there's a blocking back out there, or there's a back you can sign off a of free agency for two games to give him a rest or something like that, so you can at least you know focus on you know getting him held up. But um, the question is always going to be, well, is two weeks going to help? He could be so hurt that two weeks might not help. You know, it might be a situation where it's like, hey, he'll never heal to the offseason. So I don't really know the severity of I know right now that I would give Tully Pollard way more carries than he's getting right now. I mean, even if Zeke's playing, Zeke gets five carries, Tully Pollard gets 20-25. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not trying to – maybe Zeke gets the first, like, load in the beginning of the game, but after that, to me, it's Tony Pollard's game. That's what I would do. Um, But Jerry Jones is a crazy mofo, and we all know that, and that's why they like to mismanage a lot of players most of the time. Yep, the third running back is Corey Clement. Um, so, yes, he was on the Eagles. The thing that's kind of crazy for people to kind of look at, I mean, yes, Zeke's great. He's ranked at the 31st out of 59 running backs on PFF. Tony Pollard is the second-ranked running back on PFF. That's how good Pollard has been this year. So, you know, maybe switch the rules. Maybe make Pollard their first and second down back, make Zeke the third down back. But, you know, it is what it is. So let's move on. The Sunday games, Tampa 30, Atlanta 17. Brady returns to throwing the ball instead of Fournette running for all those touchdowns. Brady passes for four touchdowns. Uh, all touchdowns went to not Godwin, not Evans. However, both of them got over 10 targets each. Uh, the Bucks keep pace with the Packers with the second-best record on the uh, NFC side. Uh, obviously, they're still chasing uh, the Cardinals, which we'll talk here in a little bit. Packers have the edge breaker over Tampa Bay as of right now. Um, the Bucks have a four-game lead in their division, so that division's wrapped up. Uh, it's pretty much done. That's pretty much what we kind of predicted. Alex Tampa Bay is be at the top, and I think we even talked about this in the preseason that the three teams would probably be like in a tie for second place, way at the bottom, and that's exactly what's happening. They're all five and seven, and Tampa is way ahead of them at nine and three. So pretty much the Bucks are already locked up. Um, next, Arizona, Chicago. Uh, Murray returns to action, throwing two touchdowns, running for two touchdowns. Dalton throws four interceptions, sacked three times. To me, which means Fields is probably going to play next week if, if he can play on his pain tolerance for his rib injury. The win gives the Cardinals a one-game lead and keeps that one-game lead for the Packers and the, the Bucks and the NFC. The Bears and our team games back with a bunch of other teams chasing that seventh seed. Um, Alex, what did you think about the Chargers-Bengals game? Because we had two uh, 2020 first-round pick quarterbacks going off. Uh, this could be a great rivalry going forward, Joe Burrows and, Her- and Herbert. Um, but before you tell me about the game – put you on the spot with a tough question. Which quarterback would you rather have as your franchise quarterback between the two with what they've shown you so far? I go Burrow. Um, I think Herbert is an elite talent. I think he's a very good quarterback. Um, I see the it factor from Burrow. I see kind of that, that dog leadership in it. I'd go Burrow. I think he's got that Brady leadership, you know, like, not young Brady, more like veteran Brady. That's kind of what a Burrow looks like to me. I, and I, you know, I like it. Now this game, didn't work out for them. Chargers score the first 24 points. Bengals score the next 22. Chargers score the last 17. It's kind of a weird turn of events. Um, but yeah, this game allows the Chargers and uh, with the Chargers being the Bengals, the Chargers now slide into the sixth seed. And then the Bengals slide into the seventh seed. So Chargers currently have the tiebreaker over Cincinnati, even though they're both seven and five. Next, we have the Minnesota Vikings 27, Detroit 29. Some atrocious defense. Um, my Minnesota Vikings pick, I I just want no part of it anymore after this this game. What did you think about uh, the Lions of their win? 
Um, I was very happy. Uh, I maybe have been more happier than a, a, a Dallas Cowboy win. I've just been rooting for them. I've been, I've literally been watching the choice game for the last couple of weeks, and it's like they're in every game, they're in every single game, almost to the very bitter end. And then something happens and they lose the game. And it's just been so heartbreaking to watch them week after week. You're like, they're on that cusp of being, of being, of winning, that being great, but being winning. And watching this game, it, it just like and then at the end it was like, okay, the Vikings are gonna win and get in this game. And then I don't know what the Vikings were doing on defense. I have no idea, especially on a game winning uh, uh touchdown. Dancer is just sitting like flat footed, just sitting in the zone, just letting the wide receiver run in the end zone, and he caught it. So uh Zimmer, former defense coordinator from Dallas, I'm praying for you, brother, because uh they're they're looking to fire you after this game, man. Yeah, I, I think to me, this game signifies if they don't make the playoffs, he has to be fired. Um, and I thought he'd be Cousins going before Zimmer, but I think it's the other way around now. Like, because there was like what 10, 15 yards to, on that last play, four seconds, and your defensive backs were sitting five yards in the end zone. There, there's no explanation for that. It doesn't make any sense. All right, so let's move on. That loss drops the, the Vikings to the nine seed currently right now, but they are still. Just a game back, so they could still, you know, something could still happen there. Um, Giants 9, Dolphins 20. I'm just going to say this. Dolphins went undefeated in November. Tua had the second best ever completion percentage for a month at 80.5%. Alex, we said it at 1-7. I said, hey, Dolphins can go on a playoff run, and what are they doing right now? They're going on a playoff run. Um, they're 6-7, and seven, which technically puts them a game and a half out of that final playoff spot. Um, that defense is clicking their last uh, five games. They've only given up nine points, 10 points, 17 points, 10 points, and nine points. Their next couple games, Jets, Saints, Titans with that banged-up team and offense, and the Patriots. So they, the Dolphins could really be 9-7 and seven going into a game with the Patriots at the end of the year. It, you know, it, I think the Dolphins could really pull this off. It's, it's, it's crazy, but um, here they are. All right, next. Alex, Minshew Mania is back. Philadelphia mm. overreact everything. Are they ready to bench Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia based on how the media is out there? No. The culture staff already came out immediately after the game series and said that uh, Hurts is going to be the starter. This is going to be the real question, and this is going to be – this is the important things why you pay the, the VPs and you pay the front office people the big bucks. This isn't a football decision. This is an organizational decision. I think technically because their rest of their schedule is very easy, they could put Minshew in against some of these uh, bad or worse teams, and they could possibly make the playoffs. But then again, once you, if you do that, you don't know what you have at Jalen Hurts. So you don't know whether you need to draft a quarterback in the draft next year. You got multiple first-round picks in the first and second round. You don't know if you need a quarterback. So, yeah, it sounds good to put Minshew in, but we know what he is right now. He's kind of like that that Ryan Fitzmagic, Heineke level right now. Right now. He could be special later on, but that is what he is right now. But Philadelphia, for the best interest of your franchise, they got to play Hurst to find out what the heck they got. Because if he's not who they think they they need for the long term, they need to move on. But if there's a city that overreacts to anything, it is Philadelphia. And you know that. I mean, here we are, what, a couple years removed from the Super Bowl? And, like, that whole construct is gone. Um, 
you know, if you listen to Philadelphia media, they blow everything out of proportion. The media runs the city essentially. Um, and, and I'm looking through Philadelphia media, just, just alone, not national media, just Philly media, you know, and, and there's things on here, QB controversy. Um, there's another one. There isn't a QB controversy in Philadelphia dot, dot, dot yet. So even though Nick Sirianni went out and backed him a day ago, there's still stuff that came out today where Philadelphia media is questioning in Philadelphia, which is insane. So, you know, I think the best thing coming out of this, Alex, tell, tell me what you think about this. Minshew, maybe a good starting quarterback option in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's not going to have enough, a good enough draft pick for a quarterback. What do you think about him running that kind of offense in Pittsburgh? Oh, man. Man. I, I kind of think they got someone close to Minshew in, in Rudolph. I mean, you could probably have the upside the upside of Minshew because Minshew, there's so much football he hasn't played yet because he's been in bad franchises with Jaguars. And I, I don't, I'm going to say Philadelphia hasn't been a great franchise, but he's been in bad franchises. It'd be interesting to see what he'd do up there and see, you know, especially all those weapons they got. So it'd be interesting to see to that, but um, I mean, man, I don't. I'll, if I'm Philadelphia, I don't know if I'm trading him right now. I mean, I don't know if I trade him in the off season. Yep. All right. Next, got the uh, Colts thirty-one. Actually, going back to the Eagles, they're now pretty much right outside the seven uh, C. Alex, they're uh, with the with the Washington right behind your Cowboys. So which team are you more worried about, Washington or the Eagles? Um, right now, as far as in front of me, right now, I'm more worried about Washington for the simple fact Washington can can do things directly to Dallas to stop them. I think Philadelphia has got an easy schedule. I don't think there's anything you can really do with Philadelphia right now until you play them last week. So I'm more worried about Washington for the short term right now for the simple fact we play them two of the next three games. Um, and we got to look at that, you know, right now. Uh, Philadelphia, there's nothing you can kind of really do with, well, about them for at least for the next four or five weeks. All right. Uh, Minshew is on the last year's contract. So, I mean, some, you know, some team out there could pick him up for his last year's contract. He's making less than a million dollars. I think it'd be a great chance. You know, I think Pittsburgh, uh, you know, is one of those where there's a lot of things in place. It'd be interesting. Um, I think the Eagles should flip him. You know, if they think Hurts really is their quarterback, they should flip him this next year, get something out of him. Uh, but yeah. All right. Next, Indy. 31 Houston zero Tyra Taylor got benched uh, this game. They're even going to reassess quote unquote, their quarterback situation. I, I don't care how bad he played. That's a terrible decision. Unless you're trying to completely tank. Cause you're worried about the jet or the Lions winning a game. I, I think maybe that's the only reason why you reassess your quarterback situation. But um, Jonathan Taylor runs for 143 yards, two touchdowns. They eventually broke away from this game. The Colts are now right outside of this seven C by half a game. And they're behind the Titans by pretty much a game and a half. Uh, so, you know, they definitely could be taking over. Uh, next, Washington 17, Las Vegas 15. I, everyone predicted this to be a high-scoring game, but it definitely was not. Washington is now the 10th seed in the playoffs, a game back. Washington moves up to the 6th seed with the Niners' loss. They have the tiebreaker over the Niners. So currently, Washington is the 6th seed. Alex, what are your thoughts on that game? Um, it's a game I, I, I picked, um, on my elimination, um, league, I picked Washington to win. I figured this was going to be the type of game Washington was going to win. Um, I thought it was a game that I feel Washington was going to kind of grind out on the Raiders. 
Um, but to tell you the truth is the game was pretty close when you think about it. The difference literally, I know all the people in, in Vegas are talking about it this morning and people in Washington talk about it. It was that that non-pass interference call on Zay Jones. Um, but I give greatest credit for throwing it deep and seeing, hey, maybe the, the refs give you that flag. Um, there was definitely contact on holding on that play, um, but it could have went anyway. anyway. But that's how I want our refs to do it. Don't don't bail the, the defender out. Don't bail the offensive player out by throwing a flag. Let them play football. And they let them play football, and that was basically the game right there. They call it Raiders are in field goal range, kick the field goal to win the game. If they're not, Washington holds on and wins like they did. So, All right. Next, got the Jacksonville 7, Rams 37. Stafford throws a touchdown to each of his three wide receivers. Rams break their three-game losing streak and keep a two-game lead on the fifth playoff spot. Next, Baltimore 19, Pittsburgh 20. Baltimore drops this game. Um, typical AFC North game, unpredictable. You would have seen Baltimore would win this game easily without Pittsburgh been struggling, but Pittsburgh, with the announcement of Big Ben making his retirement, pulls off the win, barely. Um, gets him black back into the kind of the playoff hunt, uh, if you will. They are now the eight seed, so they're now a game or pretty much a half a game behind Cincinnati now for that last spot. So AFC North is that going to be a crazy finish. But the other news is the Ravens with that last drop out of the top seed, they go from the being the top seed to the three seed. Um, the other thing is Jackson threw four picks. Lamar Jackson threw four picks last week, and then he was sacked seven times against the Steelers. So um, got to clean some things up out there, but I think they'll be all right. Next, San Francisco 23, Seattle 30. This game is the example of why Jimmy G will not be the quarterback next year for the Niners. Jimmy G with Niners, she had easily won this game, but if you know how the NFC West works, Niners own the Rams, Seahawks own the Niners. It's just how it goes. So people that are overreacting about the Niners right now, just shut up. It's how it goes. We lose to the Seahawks no matter what, even though we're supposed to win. But Jimmy G makes some bad decisions. It's in Seattle. Um, Niners still in playoff spots, so it is what it is. Seahawks, you know, give themselves some hope. They do play an easy game next week, which will uh, jump them within kind of a game and a half of the next spot, and then we'll see after that because then they have some tough games after that. Next, let's wrap up with Denver 9, Kansas City 22. Alex, I guess Kansas City's about to make that playoff run, huh, with that uh, defense starting to show up lately? Yeah, it's just funny right now because, um, you know, and I always say this, good teams find a way to win. It doesn't matter if it's on offense or defense. And Kansas City just hasn't been the juggernaut offense we expected they were going to be this year. But their defense has showed up. Their defense is starting to play championship level. I'd even go back to the Dallas game. I mean, they shut Dallas down that game. Uh, they've been yeah. playing lights out, really. Even They laid lights out against Vegas the previous week. Uh, so if they keep playing this type of defense, uh, we know their offense is going to move the ball when they need to. They know they don't need to score 30 points to beat teams anymore. If they can hold teams like this to nine points, um, they're, they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, they held the Packers to seven, the Cowboys to nine. They just held the Broncos to nine and the Broncos are a high scoring offense. But lately, I mean, they hold the Raiders to 14. They got the Raiders next week. Uh, they have the Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. I mean, they could they can beat all those teams. They're better than all those teams. So, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs really going to run here and, and lock up the AFC. Um, Alex, we're about to transition over here to uh, the playoff picture. So, uh, before you know, I ask you that question. If you agree or disagree with me on that one, um, let's talk AFC first. Currently, the Patriots, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs all have the division lead. 
Um, and they're all eight and four. The Patriots currently have the tiebreaker, and, and of course they have the Monday night game still to play. Of those four teams, the Chiefs are going to be the finishes the one seed. Even though the other three teams have the tiebreaker, I believe the Chiefs will finish as the one seed. Do you agree or disagree? Agreed. I don't see the Patriots holding on to this. Yeah, I, I think the Patriots are a feel good story, and I think they are a real dangerous team. But with the way the Chiefs are playing, I think you know they're just a better team. So on the on that side, outside of them, we have uh, the Bills as the first wild card, Chargers and Bengals rounding up a lot of other three wild card spots. But outside of those three teams, Alex, if you give me one team of who you think will take over one of those positions, you get a pick from the Steelers at six five and one, the Colts at seven and six, the Raiders at six and six, the Browns at six and six. And then you have also have the Broncos at um, at six and six. Now, let me remind you: the Browns have the toughest remaining schedule. Um, the Bengals, you know, have the sixth toughest remaining schedule. So, uh, which one of those, if you had to pick one, do you think is going to steal one of those playoff spots on the AFC side? I'm gonna go Colts. Um, I'm sticking to my Colts pick. Uh, I'm bullish on the Colts. I thought the Colts were a team that could, was going to win their division. They technically still have a chance to, uh, but I think the Colts have just been playing good football. They got a good defense. They got a great offensive line. Uh, we know what Wentz is. You give they give him a great running game like he does, um, and it's just not um, Taylor. You look at Hines. This kid Jackson out of nowhere stole somebody's TD this last week uh, running the football. So they're they're deep at the running back position, and uh, Wentz is just willing and dealing. He's playing no mistake football right now. Um, I think the Colts, I think they got a chance, especially with their weak division, I think they got a chance to wrap that division up. Um, even if they don't get the division, I still think they have a chance to at least be in a wild card and win a wild card spot. All right, so the Colts have the ninth toughest schedule remaining, including games against the Cardinals and the Patriots. Tennessee has the easiest schedule, and it's not even close. They have the easiest schedule remaining, but even though they have the issues, and they also play the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins, you know, are going to beat Tennessee. But even with that one-game lead, Alex, I'm going to say the Colts are going to win that division. Do you think? Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And let's let's not forget yeah. Tennessee at their best lost to the Jets. Okay, so <laughs> we we don't know what to expect from Tennessee. You know, they're the Cowboys of the AFC right now. Yeah, they got some weird losses. So all right, let's move over to the NFC side. The NFC side, it's pretty clear cut. Cardinals, Packers, Bucks are kind of fighting for the top three. You know, the Cowboys have a chance to make some damage, but I think they're they're gonna. I don't think the Cowboys will be able to steal that one seed. I think they can. They'll fluctuate between two and four. The Rams will easily stay as the number five seed. I don't think there's any way that the Rams fall out um, as that five seed. The Rams do have the eighth toughest schedule. Um, they tech, they have the Ravens, Niners. Cardinals, Seahawks, and Vikings. So those aren't really easy games, but they should ha- they have enough talent that they should be able to stay there. So with that being said, Alex, what are the final two spots going to be if you had to put money on it right now in the NFC? Because right now you have Washington, San Francisco at six and six in the sixth M seed. And right outside them you have the Eagles. Uh, and then you have the Vikings, Panthers, Falcons, and Saints all essentially within one game of those final two spots. So if you if you had to pick two teams that you got to put money on. Who's that? Who do you uh, who do you have? You know what? I'm going to stay with Washington and San Francisco. Um, I know we uh, 
when we were doing our games, we said Washington was going to win the division in 10 games and Dallas was going to have nine games a game. I think it's going to flip. I think Washington's going to get to nine. I think Dallas is going to get to 10 plus. But I think Washington's going to win uh, or going to get into the playoffs. I think they're, they're, the rest of their schedule kind of falls in place. I think at the best, I think the worst, I think they're going to split with Dallas. Um, they still got some divisional games on the road in Philadelphia and New York, so those aren't going to be just too too many gimmies. But I think they're good enough right now. They're on a kind of foul what they're, you know, they're niche, good enough to do that. And I know the 49ers, they, they let me down this week. Um, and we talked about the Jimmy G thing earlier. Uh, but I think San Francisco is just a good football team. I think even at the end of it, I know they got a tough ass schedule the rest of the way. Um, but I think the forty, I think the Forty Niners, I think they're starting to get healthy. They're starting to, when they get fully healthy with Devo get back and they start get the full team around there. I think they're a good football team. I think they're going to end up holding on. I think if you look at the other teams, some of these other teams aren't real contenders. Let's be honest. The, the Saints, you know. They have an easy schedule remaining. The Saints have the Jets, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Dolphins. They could win those games. They have to play the Bucs. So the Saints, if they had their full team, I think could make a run, but they, they just don't. Atlanta doesn't have enough. The Vikings, you know who I was high on early. Their remaining schedule is the Packers, the Rams, the Steelers, and the Bears twice. You know, I think they'll split. And I, this, I think the loss to Detroit pretty much sealed Minnesota's fate. Now the Niners, even though their strength of schedule says their remaining teams are 500, they play the Rams, who they've owned Sean McVay. And that's not to say that will it's a guaranteed win, but they, they have owned Sean McVay for whatever reason. Tennessee, which I don't, I'm not scared of. Um, honestly, we have the Bengals. They have the Bengals next week, which I think they can win that game still. Um, and their two other games, Texans and Falcons. So you know, I agree. I think the the Niners um, could make some noise and, and maybe push the Rams just because the Rams have such a tough schedule compared to the Niners for that five seed. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the thing that's interesting with Washington and the whole MC East is they all play the crap at each other for the rest of the year. Um, Washington has Dallas twice, the Giants and the Eagles twice. So Washington, you know, the East is going to beat each other up, Alex. I, that's just how it always is. You know, I, I could see the Niners taking the six seed just because of how the MC East goes and the Washington taking the seven seed. All right, let's move on to fantasy talk. The buys is coming up a week, Indianapolis, Miami, New England, Philly. So let's break down some fancy what has happened list last week and maybe some things going into this next week of what you want to pick up or things to consider because this is coming up on the fantasy playoffs. Um, we'll probably start to transition next week from going to fantasy playoff talk to more uh, DFS talk just because once your fantasy your teams are in for the playoffs, you really don't need that waiver wire information. Your teams are pretty much set. Yes, you will have to make some moves here and there, but there's a lot less competition going on. So the first thing I want to get into is quarterback. Murray came back with a vengeance as a number one quarterback. Brady, number two. Herbert, number three. Stafford, four. Zach Wilson, Alex, an appearance in the top five, finally. Um, next week, some things to look forward to. Taysom Hill making another start. Even if he doesn't throw the ball, he plays the Jets, and we just saw what Minshew did to the Jets. Tannehill comes back, and his comeback game is against Jacksonville. Um, hopefully, they get some wide receiver help coming back in the next couple weeks. Some injuries to cover. Uh, Taysom Hill, his finger injury will not require surgery. He will start next week. Burrow with a dislocated pinky. It looked bad, but he ended up finishing the game. He was able to throw the ball. Jalen Hurts with his ankle was a concern, but the fact that they have a bye week this week, they're going to rest him this bye week, and he'll be good to start the week after that. Not a controversy with Minshew. It will be Jalen Hurts. 
Now, here's a little more interesting part is Daniel Jones was likely 14 already. Glennon is not going to be able to play. So, Alex, do you know who that third-string quarterback is that they just got? Who is that third-string quarterback that they just got? Is he the pride of Georgia? Is that from? Is that where is that where Fromm went to? He was at Georgia. He, I think, he transferred to Washington. Yeah. So, uh, Fromm is actually getting. He got signed off the practice squad for another team, and he looks like he jumped ahead of the current quarterback. So he it looks like to me he's going to make the start. Um, so what does that mean? Probably look at whoever the Giants are playing this week, and you want that team. Uh, his defense. The last thing is Justin Fields. I, this is just my hunch. It's a pain tolerance thing. He practiced during this last week. They probably didn't want to rush it. Um, Dalton had a terrible game. I, I think Justin Fields will be back next week. It's, it's really going to be a pain tolerance. They're going to probably tell him not to scramble a lot. So if you have him, I'm not sure if you should play him just because there won't be a lot of running. He'll probably be forced to stay in the pocket uh, and be a little more smart, if you will. Um, Alex, so if you have someone on bye week or you have one of these injuries that you have to consider – because, I mean, the bye week quarterbacks are going to be Mac Jones, Tua, Hurts, uh, and then Wentz. So not really stud quarterbacks, but more so like probably QB2s. So what's a good pickup option, option for quarterback this week? Talked about Taysom Hill earlier. Um, uh, even, even if he isn't the big thrower, he ran for over 100 yards this week. Uh, I think that is someone you're definitely going to want to still play. Even if he's, he's not throwing for a lot of yards, he still could get you 8 to 10 points just off of rushing. Uh, so I definitely think you should uh, look at him. He's only 35% of the leagues. Um, if you're that desperate, you're looking for a quarterback, he'll somebody you want to pick up. Um, also, we're talking about we've, how many scorebacks are backs. We already talked about Taylor Heineke. Uh, he's playing that Dallas defense. Uh, they play a lot of man, so they're definitely going to be some options for him to throw the football on the Dallas defense. Washington always plays Dallas hard, so you could definitely look at Heineke. He's on in 29% of the leagues right now. Next, the running backs, Javante Williams had his breakout game. Finally, Mungorn was hurt, and I think this is exactly what people need as Javante Williams owners. I am one of them. Thankfully, I got him at the right time. He was the number one running back. Uh, David Montgomery's number two. Montgomery always runs hard, so it's good to see him back up there, and Chicago needs him to keep doing that. So I kind of, once again, look for Montgomery while he's healthy to kind of carry that Bears team. And I would love to see what he does with Justin Fields, you know, running that kind of, I want to see them run a Raven-style offense. I think that's the kind of where they would excel the best for that team. Uh, third, just, or Jonathan Taylor, no surprise, top five. He's going to be top five probably the rest of the year. Jacobs, a surprise back number in the top five. So, uh, that, you know, shout out to Jordan on that one. Good to see Josh Jacobs back up there. And they definitely need to get him the ball more. He, they need him to be back to his rookie year version of himself. And Alex, here's the surprising one. Fournette is number five again. So Fournette is slowly turning into one of the top running backs. He's actually, I think, ranked as the fourth running back in football right now. Uh, his last you know, five weeks, 17 points, 13 points, 44 points, 22 points. And early in the year, he had a 21-point game, a 30-point game. Fournette is slowly turning into that monster back that you probably want to start considering trying to acquire him maybe for next year in your fantasy leagues uh, if you have you know a keeper or something like that. He's he's someone that is finally getting trust of the ball being thrown to. There's no more Ronald Jones. Giovanni Bernard is not a thing. His last four weeks since by, he's got 28 catches. So that's, you know a huge chunk of points are going into that if you're in a PPR league. So definitely look at acquiring for net if you can for future items. Um, something to look at going forward for next week. We have a ton of running backs injured. So maybe Barkley has been getting two fully weeks of being healthy. 
if there's ever a week where you're Alina Saquon Barkley, you have a thirsting quarterback, you have the Chargers, who are a bad run defense, feed him the ball. So hopefully that's something to look forward to. Alex, we have a ton of injuries at running backs. I'm not going to name them all over again, but everyone that was out this last week is probably out again. The only one coming back, maybe Alvin Kamara. Um, but now we added Elijah Mitchell. He was had a concussion, so we're going to kind of see how he plays things out this week and if he is back next week. Um, with all those running backs uh, out, Alex, so Jonathan Taylor's out this week. Gaskins is out this week. You have uh, Harris, all the Eagles running backs. There's a good amount of running backs out and a ton of running backs injured, Alex. Is there any kind of sneaky pickups that we can get this week to get by until the next week? Yeah, you already talked about the Mitchell thing. I think Jeff Wilson is somebody you definitely want to look at. You pushed them last week, talked about a little bit that they're going to be splitting carries. Well, you know, with Mitchell being kind of the um, maybe possibly hurt, Mitchell's probably going to get get some consideration. Just I would monitor in the week. Uh, you talked about uh, Foreman last week. He's still owning 66% of the leagues right now. If you're still kind of at this point right now, kind of trying to find somebody to fill you in, on the playoff run, he, he's a starting back that you might want to do. And then also, we've talked about uh, Paula earlier today. I think if you have him on your team or you don't have your own team, I think he should consider him for RB2 right now. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Zeke situation right now. I do expect, even though whatever they say, Dallas actually does listen to the media a lot. So I do expect Paula to start to get a little bit more of or the touches over there. I expect him to get more catches. I expect him to get more uh, more carries. He'll be a little bit more explosive. He's only at 68% of leagues, so there's a two-thirds chance that he's probably alone in one of your leagues. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. Top five this last week. Uh, Jefferson was number one. Deontay Johnson was number two. Uh, Godwin, number three. Higgins, four, and Cooper Cup always in the top five, essentially, was number five. All right, someone I want to talk up really quickly is Russell Gage. He had a big game, 12 targets, 11 catches, 130 yards. I hyped him up at the start of the year. He kind of had injuries. He didn't play the first essentially six weeks. Came back slowly, but the last two weeks he's had 18 and 22 points. Uh, someone I think that's worth picking up looking into is Russell Gage, roster 25% of leagues. Could be a sneaky good pickup for fantasy matchups, depending on how the season plays out. Uh, for you on the playoff side. Amon St. Brown had a great game, won the game for the Lions, but, uh, you know, Vikings' pass defense has just been bad. Lions has been inconsistent at the wide receiver core. We've been trying to track them here. We can't do it. They go back and forth. Do not take anyone um, for the Lions receivers. It's outside of maybe Hawkinson. Elijah Moore had a couple of good games, finally had 20 points uh, again recently, but the next two teams they play, Saints, good defense, Dolphins, good defense, both teams have good corners, um, so we'll see, have to see how the Jets scheme everyone open. If you have to rely on more, I would be a little hesitant with Zach Wilson still at quarterback. Van Jefferson has been doing you know, pretty good. He's kind of filling in almost as number two wide receiver, even though he's really kind of not. Um, 14 fantasy points per game and over the, that number the last two weeks. Injuries for this uh, for the wide receivers. Thielen has a high ankle sprain, probably me out a little bit. <laughs> Keenan Allen, COVID, maybe out this next week. And Debo Samuel, you know, out, he was supposed to be out for another week, but we'll see if how much they try to rush him back, how his hamstring feels. Hopefully, honestly, they don't. Um, I know fantasy-wise, you don't want to hear that, but hopefully they don't rush him back because, I, you know, it's, any leg injury is easy to retweak. Alex, is there any wide receivers um, to look at picking up to offset the bite or injured wide receivers that we just talked about? 
Extra wide receivers, we're already talking about Thielen. Um, Osgood is somebody that's going to be the new number two wide receiver. If Thielen can't go, I would definitely monitor that. Also, we talked about um, Keenan Allen. He's going to be on the COVID protocol. Guyton actually had a pretty good game uh, this past week, so he's somebody you might want to look at getting. Uh, one of the things that just came across the board was Deontay Harris, wide receiver for New Orleans. He actually had a good game this past week, uh, but he actually has a three-game suspension uh, that he's dealing with. So I know Lil Jordan Humphrey was one of the guys that he picked up. I would advise right now, especially with Taysom Hill, not to rush to pick up any Saints wide receivers right now at this moment. I would hold off into that until he's figure out what Taysom Hill uh, is going to be doing. Uh, you already talked about Gage. Uh, talked about Van Jefferson. Uh, also talked about more Elijah Moore. Uh, we talked about uh, Bourne. Uh, he's playing uh, for the um, – Patriots right now, he's somebody who's on the 15% of leagues. Van Jefferson is on the 63% of leagues. Gage at 25%. So these are guys that still are kind of outstanding out there that should be lurking on your waiver wires. They're probably better options that you got right now. All right, if I can hype up anyone that Alex just talked about, the one that I would say to go get, K.J. Osgood, um, he's gotten targets even as a third receiver. He has seven targets this last game. Now, he would have had a better game. Jefferson ate Detroit's secondary alive. Now coming up, the teams that the Vikings are or the teams that the, the Vikings, yeah, the Vikings are playing: Pittsburgh, Chicago, Rams, Green Bay. So they may not be juggernauts on defense, but you know Pittsburgh has a good defense at times. Um, if I was Tomlin, I would take away Jefferson completely. Um, the Rams obviously have Jalen Ramsey. Packers, Jair Alexander could come back in their corners and play a lot better this year. So to me, Osgood is someone I think that could really thrive and is an amazing pickup. And just talking this out loud, like I want to go get him in all my leagues on man. So I would highly recommend Osgood as being a someone because, you know, they always run, they always throw the ball to wide receivers to Minnesota. It's going to happen. Osgood has got his attempts. All right, for tight ends this week, we had the people's tight end comeback, George Kittle with a monster game, 39.6 fantasy points, but unfortunately probably a product of Debo Samuels being out. Number two, Goddard, uh, you know, had a great week. However, Minshew connected with him two crazy passes across the middle in coverage that probably would have been broken up by if it was any other defense besides the Jets. Enjoy him while you can this week, but don't get overhyped and excited. Yes, they're on a bye next week, but when he comes back and it hurts again, they're going to be a run-heavy team. I'd be kind of hesitant about Goddard. Number three, Gronk, 21.8. Man, if he's healthy and he's good to go, um, you got to play him. Uh, DFS especially, because he's been going cheap on DFS for whatever reason. In the six games he's had this year, essentially with Brady, he's had six touchdowns. He's going to get the red zone targets. They're not going to stop. He's a great matchup on the end zone. So, you know, if DFS is a must-play, it's a Gronk. Logan Thomas came back from injury. Unfortunately, got injured again. Uh, ACL and MCL, they talk about a potential tear. Uh, looks like it's not that bad, but it does not look good for him either way. There's only five games left in the season. So probably for fantasy, not going to be much of an impact. Um, outside of that, that's pretty much all for the tight ends. Um, that pretty much wraps up our whole episode. So thanks for joining us once again, episode 48. We'll catch you guys next week. Um, you know, Love watching these fantasy matchups for the playoffs. Love watching these playoff matchups in football. So Definitely all the great things to look forward to, and we'll catch you guys up next week. Give you that recap again, and probably next week we'll start talking more playoff 
football, and we'll start talking more DFS fantasy instead of our regular ones. As a reminder, please follow, support, share, listen, leave reviews to the podcast. We greatly appreciate all that stuff and all the continued support. Um, Have a good one. We'll catch you guys next week.